and welcome to What in Tarnation, a Tar Heel Hot Take podcast. On this episode, we're recapping UNC's wins over Virginia and Florida State and looking ahead to another Duke game. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me as always are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Guys, things are a little better now that we're meeting. We actually have a quad one game for now. Uh, that's on life support. Yeah. They are performing to, CPR on it. Thanks to Utah State. Wait, what did Utah State do? They pushed Virginia down to 30th in the net. So that quad one win is like literally hanging by a thread. You literally only had one job for Virginia. Yeah. Just one. I mean, they didn't really even have anything to do with it. It's just, I mean, okay, so we've been railing on the net rankings for the last, like, several days in the Anderson household, and my beef is just that I feel like whatever it is when you play that team is what it should count as in perpetuity, because you can't control what happens to a team after you play them. You can only play the team that shows up when you get them, so, like, I think it's absolutely nonsense that the Ohio State game was a quad one win and Ohio State played themselves out of it because UNC didn't get to play them after it. They played them when it was still considered a quad one win. Um, The Virginia situation, if they end up falling out of quad one territory, I don't think that's very justified because when UNC played them, it was... They were a quad one worthy team. Um, you know, I don't have a ton of beef with like, you know, uh, I don't think anybody can look at what UNC's done this year and been like, oh, no, no, no. Like the the net ranking has been too hard on them because, yeah, if you look at what they've done, they haven't beaten like quality opponents outside of Chapel Hill. And that's what the net rankings really reward. But, yeah, I just don't like the idea that, like, you can play someone, have it be a quad one win, their best player gets hurt tomorrow, and it's like, ah, that's not a quad one win anymore. It's also interesting how that's a detriment for, that's a negative for the team that beat them, but not for the team that lost. Right. Yeah. So they're saying like the committee would take into account that you losing your number one player, but how does again, but how does that affect the team that beat you? It's as if it was as a game was never that was never played. Um but I'm looking here and I see that a higher state beat Maryland yesterday, number twenty one. Hmm. Interesting. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed, which feels gross. Like shouldn't have to hope that no one above Virginia puts in like a sad performance that knocks every. I don't know. It's just I don't I don't enjoy it. Um, but it is what it is, and we'll see if Virginia and those in Virginia's proximity can do enough to keep it as the lone quad one win, unless UNC wins on Saturday which would give them a second quad one win. But also, though, a possible third quad one win would be if Ohio State beats Michigan State on Saturday, 
that would probably move them into quad one territory as well for our neutral site game. I also saw, I believe, that Michigan is in, like, I think it was Michigan is in sort of like a position to where they could play themselves back into a quad one game, which again, I feel like is crazy town, but yeah, um, I did read today that it's possible Michigan could uh, end up being a quad one game. I'm all for it because how funny would it be for all the talk to have been that Carolina has not won a quad one game to end the regular season with four? four. That would be that would be amusing. Um, not going to happen, obviously, but it would be funny. <laughs> It really speaks to just how broken the net rankings are. And one of the things that we talked about earlier is like it really is a system that rewards road wins because Mm -hmm. it's the easiest for teams to stay as a quad one win if you beat them on the road. Um, But I swear, like, if you beat them, any of them at home, you might as well not even count them as quad one wins because at some point that team will either find their way out of the quad one ranking or you'll just like sweat the rest of the season that they're going to find their way out of the quad one ranking. And I mean, what is what is UNC's best win on the road? I, man, I'm trying to think. I mean, it's hard to come up with yeah. because they have been pretty atrocious outside of Chapel Hill. Um, like the fact that you have to think that hard about what it could be is really telling. It is. And I mean, for what it's worth, I guess they had some nice neutral court win. Well, one Michigan, one. but <laughs> I mean, yeah, as far as road wins, it, it's been bad. It's It's been bad. And, like, that's really speaking, like, in all fairness to the net ranking system, UNC did themselves no favors. They had their opportunities, but. Is it Syracuse? Yeah, they beat Syracuse on the road, I'm pretty I, sure. I know, but is is that the best road win? I'm yes. so scrolling, and I haven't gotten to Syracuse yet. <laughs> yeah, that's actually their best road win. Um, yeah, this is this, this is kind of gross. Yeah, I, I'm at 110, and I still haven't gotten to Syracuse yet. <laughs> but aside from Syracuse, like it's been Notre Dame, Florida State, Wake Forest. None of those are. They just haven't been even like passable on the road. And really, okay. the whole league has kind of had that problem. Um, there's definitely been teams like Pitt's been great on the road, but I've definitely noticed a trend of suckage with the AC, and that's why ESPN is like, oh, I'm going to shove ACC aside. Hello, Big 12. How are you? All of your games are quad one. Have fun. Oh. Um, to be fair, I just got to Syracuse and they're 131st. Gross. 
Did we know that Notre Dame beat Pitt yesterday? I don't think I did. Yes. We sure did. How oh, I did. We didn't because we were dealing with our dog eating toxic holly berries, but you know, um <laughs> that's someone's someone someone sent me a tweet, you know, kind of laughing at it, and I was like, I kinda wanna laugh, but I also remember we had nineteen points in the first half of that game. <laughs> yeah. For real though, like <laughs> It, it was not. It was not a beautiful performance by any means. Um, but what was a much better performance was UNC beating number six Virginia. Um, the offense was like a new a new team. I didn't recognize those guys. I only recognized one of them, but we don't have to get into that yet. Um, yeah, they looked really good. We saw a brand new version of Pete Nance. We saw... Powered by Lemon Oreos. Yeah, powered by Lemon Oreos. We saw R.J. Davis go off with tape off of his finger. Um, Which, you know, we kind of speculated on this here podcast that um, people were not playing... At a hundred percent, yeah. And I mean, maybe, maybe Pete Nance was just deficient in lemon Oreos, and maybe RJ needed to have a tapeless hand. And I mean, even without the tape, like I don't know if either of you have jammed your fingers before, but it, it really hinders your flexibility of that finger. And I could see a world where even without the tape, it was going to mess them up anyway. Um, well, yeah, but I guess it's more like he needed to not need the tape. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, circling back around to what I was saying uh, about recognizing somebody, I would say the only person that performed about like we would have expected a week or two ago is Caleb Love. Um, he went two of 12 from the field, uh, one of eight from three. But, I mean, he also had eight rebounds, um, a couple of assists. Um, I don't know. It felt like a very different team we were watching. It looked like a team that cared. It looked like a team that actually remembered their talented. I will say that um, 12 shots from him feels pretty measured to me, um, (laughs) which is probably telling, but, like, yeah, he only made two, but he only took 12, so... Yeah, that's fair. The only thing that I'm going to say is, like, I completely get it, and I'm I'm glad that they're... Uh, all of them now are making shots, but it wasn't tape off of, you know, RJ's finger or whatever it else that caused them to start making their shots that they're making now, and I just... They're talented, but they weren't. But they weren't playing like that. And it's just, how fickle are you with the talent that you have? And now all of a sudden, you're literally on the brink of uh, being the presumed NIT champions. That you're now making the same shots that you weren't making earlier. I just, it's a measured optimism because it's like okay cool you're making those now uh-huh. and those are at home mm-hmm. but let's see what happens if you so let's see what happens in the ACC tournament 
And I was definitely frustrated with some of the talk coming out of the press conference today because it did sound like a lot of sort of like cringy, tropey stuff where it was like, oh, we were we were playing too tight and now we're we're loose and and we were just not like worried about it. And um, I think Baycott compared um the start of the season to like a hangover. And it's like, that's an excuse for like three games to be charitable. It's the last week of the season. (laughs) Like we can't be acting like somehow there was an epiphany that literally just took place when we are like 20 some games in. I I think that I would probably stand to agree with it to a point. I do think that there was a lot of other things that happened this season that m- almost created the snowball effect where people were getting hurt and um, just like. But really, they didn't say that. They didn't. They, They're not going to say that. But But I guess that's the thing is like if he had said, hey, you know, we. I rolled my ankle and I hurt my shoulder and then RJ jammed his finger and Pete hurt his back. And it's kind of just been like a constant thing where it was difficult for us all to be healthy at the same time. And we had to adjust to that. Like I would almost accept that more than like, oh, like we, we, It's kind of like the whole, like, oh, you just walk in and expect another team to roll over because you have North Carolina on your jersey and how frustrating it is when that comes up from time to time in various seasons. Like, again, you guys are a very, very experienced team. It's a team of, I mean, uh, a starting lineup of all upperclassmen these things are excuses you would expect to hear from like freshmen from again like three games into a season it just kind of all rings a little hollow to me (laughs) at this point in the season where it's just like man if it took to this point to change things. If it took to this point for you guys to be like, huh, we are more talented than we have been showing. I question so much about like the competitive drive and stuff because there's just no reason why it should take this long. And that's also why I feel like it's mostly crap because I don't think that I don't think it's true. Um, so that that's my two cents on it. I think you're being very nice to them in uh, your being like, yeah, that that is a reasonable. I mean, what I'm saying is it's part of it but there's so many things that have been going on that i feel like it's 
it is disingenuous to say that that's the only thing that happened. That's not the only thing that happened. The other thing that happened is this team tried to audition for the NBA as individuals, and that went very badly. Then they got in, had injuries, and those games went very badly, like the very poorly timed injury against Virginia and Charlottesville with Baycott. Like, realistically, they should have won that game, but then – he just he wasn't in that one so that kind of did that and then of course there's the bad decision making the low IQ at various points during the season and then we finally get to these two games and suddenly they remember how to basketball and I think it's just all been such a frustrating experience trying to like see a team make their way back to the national championship game by making the worst decisions of ever while also having these like unfortunate things happen to them. It's just been, it's been a lot. So I'm, I'm just going to say that um, really the only difference that I can see between what, what's going on now and what was going on uh, before now is that they're actually making those shots because they're honestly, to me, they're not really doing anything different other than, they caught being in foul trouble and being off the floor kind of, you know, with, with uh, different personnel in. But I would say that if it weren't for everything that happened over the course of the season, sure, I would subscribe to the fact that, okay, you just had, like, uh, building blocks of bad luck. But you went, you, the team, went from number one to hanging on to dropping out to outside looking in kind of thing. And there were so many ledges that you could have caught between then and now that you didn't until seemingly Joe Lenard, Joe Lenardi had to go on split screen <laughs> and anger all UNC fans and say like, you know, you can't get into the tournament now, even with the win over the number six team in the country. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, we can play kind of thing. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm super confused and I'm very cautious because as easily as it seems to have turned on, I'm aware that it can be turned off again. So, but that's, but that's just where I'm at. I give them, I give them credit. Um, I do give them credit for what they've gone through and what they're doing right now. I just... I don't know. I, I'll, I'll have to see what happens in the ACC tournament, but it's just again, like uh, if if they went, if no matter what happens for the Duke game on Saturday, if they went to the ACC tournament and uh, kind of fell flat in the opener, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd hate it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So basically, I I I'd love for them to come out against Duke and do the same thing. And at this point, I kind of really do expect it. However. I really don't think that you can win Saturday and then face plant an ACC tournament and still make it. Oh, I don't think so either. I think they have to they have to at least win one. And I don't think they can like afford to look foolish in the second one if not having to win a second one. Which is a tough hill to climb. Yeah. Especially because, who did we decide that they, it was somebody that I was not overly optimistic about that they would have to, like, face in the second round. 
Um, I think they would have to play Duke again. I think you're <laughs> So that's at least how it stands right now. Um, Shoot me now. Whoa! So, <laughs> well, we had to face Duke again if we win Saturday, though? I think. Because if we win Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, they slide to the five seed. Yeah, it, it might shift around a bit if we beat them. But I know last I checked, if the tournament were to happen right now, they would play a game against, um, I think it was like the winner of like Clemson or Boston College or some something like that. But then like they would play Duke that next game. So essentially, you're telling me that if they lose Saturday night, they'd still have an opportunity to face, assuming they win their opener, they still have an opportunity to, to face Duke again for a chance to make it into the NCAA tournament. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. You call it an opportunity. I call it torture. I'm going to die. Literally, though. Um, But but this is, for some odd reason, this appears to be the moments that that they strive in. And again, like all these different ledges that you could have hopped off the uh, sliding bandwagon at this point, right? Like you could have, when you lost the number one ranking, okay, cool. Let's like go back to the drawing table and figure out what we're doing. We didn't do that. Drop off, drop out of the top twenty-five. Let's go back to the drawing board, like not, not embarrass ourselves. We didn't do that, you know. Like, it's just, I literally, I don't know what happened, but it's like you've got to be. So mocking didn't help because obviously they were getting mocked not just by everyone else, but by UNC fans too. But so mocking didn't help, and you can say whatever you want. I know they posted the thing about whatever was going on just to clear the air about. Um, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, you know, actually being friends, kind of thing. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but how does that how does that affect your on court play, kind of thing, right? Because you guys obviously something's missing here. We're not we're not gelling. We're not making shots. But again, other than Baycott with his foul trouble being out, and you having to insert uh, other personnel. Please show me how they've been playing differently than they did over these losing streaks other than making those shots. I think the one thing that I've noticed is that they're actually starting to do a little bit more of what Hubert Davis actually wants them to do. Um, I feel like there was times during the season where we just saw so much ISO that I wanted to jump off of a bridge. I feel like they just were not playing smart at all um what i will say is to like to what you were saying like i do think they are still getting a lot of the same shots but i think how they are getting those same shots has been a bit more uh, structured um i i don't know man like this team it i i swear that it sounds like the dumbest thing ever. People probably don't want to hear it. Um, but the level of immaturity and, and like that means so many things to me, but like the primary th- way that I interpret immaturity is just like this, this like need to be in such a bad position to suddenly 
be good. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't know why it's required. It shouldn't be required. You should just constantly want to be better than the other team. And this team hasn't had that. And I really don't get it. I So I agree with that. And one other thing that I would like to add to this is I feel like I do need to apologize to Hubert because – I you know I've been critical of what he's been saying in his post uh, game conferences or pre game conferences, but what he says in those conferences are not exactly how he behaves during the games. Yeah, like he he literally gets he he gets on the team during the games, at least lately, uh, as opposed to you know what he says um, during the um, his his conference his media conferences so yeah I, I feel like I I personally need to apologize because because what he does during the game is what I was asking for him to do right like you know these guys like tell them they're not doing they're not doing well um, or not doing how you expected kind of thing but that's definitely not what he said at times during his post game or you know his post game conferences. Um, so they've, they've kind of conflicted kind of thing, but if you're going to do that during, during the game, that's fine. Cool. Like that's what I wanted you to do. So counterpoint, (laughs) the whole, you're not allowed to criticize these kids thing. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. It about sent me to an early grave. That was... Because there's a very wide Grand Canyon size difference between, hey, I know how talented these players are, and I don't think they're playing up to that potential, and it kind of seems like something is amiss, and the people who are like on Twitter burning their keyboard down during games to like send some teenager a death threat for missing a free throw. Those are different things. And it does no one any good to equate those things, to somehow act like the criticism is like especially this team they're like 21 22 yeah they they can they can handle being told that they haven't been playing well this season so the only thing that I'll say is we have people who can't even read a simple poll that I tweet <laughs> and and comprehend without doing whatever they do. So if they can't read what I ask and vote on it, how can I expect anyone else to differentiate between the hardcore trolling and like the constructive criticism that everyone else would do, you know, for the players? Like it's just I I I think it makes us like worse not only as a fan base but as a society. To, to say these things and do these things, but but no, I, I agree with you. It's just, yeah, there, there's a stark difference between saying that, oh, you were shooting 39% from three last year, now you're shooting 12 
what's going on, you know, there's a difference between that and saying, oh, well, you just suck and you need to transfer. Why do we choose you to transfer into Carolina kind of thing? There's a difference. Yeah. But no, I, I agree with that. Like if without being able to criticize, and this kind of goes back to what he to what Hubert does in his um, post game his post game pressers too, right? Um, these are my boys. Like I believe in them. Like you know, I love them. I can't criticize them, kind of thing. That's kind of the same thing of what people uh, on Twitter are kind of doing too. But yeah, you actually can. And, you know, I'm not – I say all that to say there was a major difference between saying there's, there's a difference between you shooting 40% from three and then coming in and shooting 12 as opposed to what happened to Gigi Jackson when he decommitted and went to South Carolina. <laughs> and no one would argue that that's okay. So I resent the implication that doing the former is the same as, as doing the latter. And someone – responded to your tweet about this and truly summed it up well. It's like without, and it doesn't have to come from us. They shouldn't necessarily listen to us, but without, they do, can't, uh, cannot confirm or deny, but <laughs> you know, without someone, whether that's Huber or the other coaches or, you know, people sitting behind their keyboard typing without without allowing criticism you are almost enabling entitlement where it's you know I don't I don't care what you think of how I'm playing what I'm doing etc I'm going to just keep doing my thing and I don't think that that is the right path either like no one is I don't think anybody is like above criticism people went to their graves criticizing Roy Williams every decision he made and you know you could you could easily say well like oh you you shouldn't criticize him but at the end of the day, he's a grown man. He almost certainly knows better than you, so it's not like he's living and dying with what Twitter thinks of his decisions. Um, I don't think... <laughs> if Twitter criticism was uh, taken to heart, I don't think we'd be sitting here on the last week of the season talking about how we just came to an epiphany. Yeah. Would have happened sooner. <laughs> no, I no, I agree. And literally, the only person that I ever thought—I don't even think he was above criticism. I just thought it didn't warrant it because he gave us three national titles. Was Roy right? I'm like, bro, you it, like literally, he could have five losing seasons in a row, and you still. It couldn't justify like, some of the slander that he got after having given us three you know, titles. Um, you know, Huber has not, Huber hasn't done that, right? I, I understand like what happened last year. Um, the players certainly haven't done that. And 
Um, to drive your point home about one of my tweets, I really wanted to say to like one of the NC State fans that were also talking crap about Carolina fans talking trash about players. I'm like, well, of course you wouldn't. I don't agree with it, but of course an NC State fan wouldn't get it because you're not used to players performing exceptionally well anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't understand a player performing well and then not performing well. So you you wouldn't have that meltdown from like expecting the best from a player to like nothing. As a, as a state fan, as a state basketball fan, I imagine you just come in going, oh, cool, I'm just glad they committed to state anyway. And, you know, we'll see what they do kind of thing. But it's just it's completely different. Also, I'll give one last example, and then we can probably, you know, move on. But um, as much as I agree that I, I often felt like um, Roy had ascended beyond uh, criticism – when he failed to call a timeout to tell his team to foul against Clemson in the game that broke the streak in Chapel Hill, um, that 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 decision was was one that I was very happy to criticize. Yeah, so I'm so and, and I'm still not saying that I thought he was about criticism. No one is about criticism. It doesn't it doesn't matter. But I've, for for me personally. Roy always said he didn't pay attention to Twitter, but the fact that he mentioned it made me realize that he knew it was out there. He knew what was being said, right, on a granular level. Um, And for me personally, I just kind of feared what would happen after he left. Like, we knew what we were going to – we knew what we had with him, which was more or less – more often than not, we were going to be in contention for a regular season championship title. You know, we were going to be competing for a higher seed for a champion for NCAA tournament title kind of thing. And I just did not know what was going to happen after that. And I just kind of wanted to hang on to that as long as I could. Um, so that kind of fed into to my decision. But yeah, sure. If you, I, there were definitely moments. It wasn't just that one. What was it? Oh, yeah. He failed to call a timeout there in the route that we had with Northern Iowa was the number one team when we went to play out there, you know, yeah. and uh, which could have stopped that slide kind of thing. He definitely had some some issues with timeouts. I just was like, okay, I'll get over this one thing that sucks, um, as opposed to you know, for the greater good because I knew he had given us a history on what. Um, we could expect overall as opposed to just, you know, game in and game out. Yeah, you're totally right. And, like, he had earned the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's um, one thing this team hasn't earned yet is, um, you know, when we we say, like, oh, like, Hubert's answers in these pressers are coming off a little kid-glovey. Um, we would like to see, you know, maybe a little more, like – responsibility and um, proactiveness when um, things aren't necessarily going well and we're sort of repeating the same thing. I think that's the biggest difference is like Roy Williams had earned benefit of the doubt, um, not to say that he never made questionable decisions or anything like that or things that you disagreed with, but 
at the end of the day, he was a Hall of Fame coach who had won three national titles. So, you know, you you follow him off the ledge. Um, we, we aren't there yet with this current uh, structure. And who knows when we will be there again. I, I long for that uh, sort of security blanket of definitely knowing that more often than not, we were going to, we, we knew what to expect. If they make another run to the national championship game, we're going to be in quite the pickle. <laughs> <laughs> but is that even like a realistic thing? Oh, which is why I said that. <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they come up and make another run to the national championship game, um, <laughs> No matter what I really want to say, it's just two years in a row. I just, <laughs> I can't, can't say. I, can't, I, 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 I mean, I'd, I'd be able to, obviously, but it would just be like, okay, literally, this is a fool's errand until like the last game of the season. If they do that again, I think we'll be in a pickle because it will mean that we are living on some wild fortune that like is almost certainly dark magic and we 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 will not uh know how best to harness that for good because man I don't I don't see it I didn't see it last year either so I guess crazier things have happened but so one thing that I will say though is I believe that we have finally fallen below the point that we were Last season at this point. Oh, absolutely. So, yes. So, I, I'll agree with that. I, you know. Because what was it? Last year going into the Duke game that we had won like eight of nine? That sounds about right. And this year we have won three of seven? <laughs> yeah. It's been so, a little- it's been a little different. It's been more of a desperate Hail Mary, I feel like, this year than last year. Um, and I think that's kind of what makes me a little nervous going into, not necessarily Saturday, but definitely going into the ACC tournament because it just feels like it, it feels kind of too little too late. But also, I guess another way to look at it is, is it, I mean, like the ACC just isn't, with the exception of Pitt, it's just not daunting enough for me to think that they couldn't do it with them playing the way that they've been playing over the last couple of games. Fair. But the play that they've been playing over the last couple of games, that's fair. But if you recall uh, a couple of episodes ago that we were saying that, or at least I said that I thought the media was missing the mark on the ACC and that we were kind of doing an SEC football kind of thing where we were just tearing each other up. Mm-hmm. And the the thing was to make the tournament and we could make some noise. Now, that still remained to be seen. I think the last bracketology that I saw from Lenardi was like five in. That wasn't including Carolina. So if Carolina could get in, that would be six. Would not be surprised to see us crash uh, the Sweet 16. And I, I, I say us as the ACC, not necessarily as UNC, because I don't know that they're actually going to make it in. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I just 
I don't know, just something, something about the way that they have, they have literally beat each other up. Like Pitt can't even Pitt can't even clinch uh, at least a share of a regular season title in a game they should have won without losing to Notre Dame. You know, it's just I just I, I think they beat each other up, and again, I think you'll be I think you'll be better for it as long as you, as long as you reach the uh, tournament. And I guess we'll see. I, I hope the UNC is a part of that, but you know. And I mean, with the whole pit thing, UNC lost both games by a total of three points. So we're not even talking about Pitt being some dominant team. So that that is definitely fair. I do think the ACC has done a great job of beating each other up, primarily beating each other up when the winning team is at home. Um, obviously, that's not the whole story, but I do feel like there's been something about this season where we have just seen some suboptimal <laughs> road play and I haven't been able to really piece that together. But I do think that should be beneficial this Saturday because Duke is one of those teams that really hasn't been great on the road. Um, and to be honest, they weren't great at home against State. Uh, they they always shot 10% from three, which I don't even know what to do with that. They basically beat State the same way that we beat State in that first game, just shooting a bunch of free throws. And I'm just like... Yeah, they're not going to get... Unfortunately, they're not going to get that uh, Saturday. No, no. And that's been a whole other element. I feel like there's been a little home team gets the whistle stuff happening this season. It's not consistent. There's sometimes that that's not necessarily the case. But I, I mean, how does Duke get 29 free throws in that game? And like, they even mentioned that too. Yeah. It's just, and I know that people said the same thing about UNC, but the thing about that was like, we at least had somebody banging around in the paint and getting all of the free throws. Duke doesn't really have that guy. Like Filipowski kind of does that, but I feel like he is, he's a three level person. And uh, I just, it's, um, it'll be an interesting game. I think that both teams are looking better kind of I think it should be a better game than the first one kind of (laughs) but you know with it being senior night I feel like we should see some good stuff from UNC hopefully what they've done yes what they've done on this three game winning streak I should maybe say two or at least two and a half. <laughs> the second half of Notre Dame and then <laughs> Virginia and um, Florida State. Yes. Um, yeah, I, 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 I cautiously <laughs> optimistic, but yes, I think I think they'll be fine as long as they as long as they're playing like they have over the last two games. And you know, they will go from there. But I still think. Um, but again. Is I expect them to play like they have over the last two games, 
but they could very well play like they played over the last or the the previous twenty before that. So just looking, we're twelve and two at home. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I and I got it. This is Duke. This is a completely different picture, but I really, really need them to lock this one up Saturday, at least when their opener next week. And I think that gets them in, barring some crazy thing, uh, anything else happening elsewhere. But you win Saturday, you win your opener. Don't get blown out in game two. And I think you're in. Yeah. I just cannot be, we, we cannot be the first team to start. Warranted or not. The number one team, preseason number one team in the country, and miss the tournament. That would be one of the all-time greatest ESPN stats and info tweets to have ever existed, I swear. Yep. It, it would wound me in ways that I don't know that I would be able to recover from. But I will say that they do have a really good chance against Duke. I do feel like they have a really good chance to do something in this ACC tournament. And I, it all really hinges on, did they finally learn their lessons? I say lessons plural because there's a lot of lessons that this team needed to learn. But again, them making shots covers up everything else. Yeah, it does. And the big key has definitely been Pete Nance. Um, he's had three great halves of basketball. I feel like the second half of the Florida State game, he kind of tapered off. But, I mean, I, I don't know that you look at that and say that's a problem with how he's been playing overall. Um, Maybe they gave him too many lemon Oreos. Yeah, he, he had a stomach ache. It's fine. <laughs> Let's not go overboard here. Right. But, you know, that same half, we had Leakey scoring 11 points, and we had R.J. Davis put up um, six. So, I mean, the balance has been missing from this team big time. And I think we're now finally starting to see that. And I think that's what made them dangerous last year, too, because it was like, if Caleb isn't doing well, Manic's doing well. If Manic's not doing well, RJ's doing well. Baycott's consistently doing well. I'm going to tell you right now, if Leaky Black can consistently give us that three-point shooting threat and average uh, double digits going forward, we're a different team. It's over. And you have to wonder what the scouting report's even going to look like for Duke because one of the ways that Leakey's even been able to knock down them shots so easily is, like, teams aren't guarding him. They're just, like, they're willing to gamble on him missing that shot, and it's been going in now. And even more so than that, like, he's been just more aggressive. Like, he's been attacking the pain and everything. So it's just like you – you look at what Leakey's done for his entire UNC career, and I understand that some, you know, some coach will be like, you know what, let him shoot. Let's just see what happens. But I don't feel like you can do that anymore. I truly am impressed that he wasn't able to knock down the shot more this season because he's had like these flashes of being a good three-point shooter throughout his career, and it just never really stuck. 
but now that it seems like he's loosened up a bit and he's just he's just doing him um I feel like that just adds a whole other dynamic to this team that's going to be tough to deal with down this last stretch. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We need one of two things to happen. We need Nance to continue his streak, or we need Leaky to do leaky things that he's done recently. One of those, we'd love both of them, obviously, but one of those things is it's a different outcome. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, we will see what happens this weekend and during the tournament. Um, speaking of tournaments, the women just got done playing earlier tonight. Uh, they beat Clemson. I have the final score right here. They won 68 to 58. Um, just a lot of solid play, four out of the five starters and double digits. Um, they tried to make it a little closer than it needed to be. They but. did. <laughs> but, they, yeah, I, but if you remember, if I'm not mistaken, they they only played Clemson once during the regular season. It was at Clemson, and they only won by 11. So, okay, yeah, you won by you know you you won by 10 neutral court, 11 on the road, 10 neutral court. I you know feel pretty good. But you know who they're playing next? Duke. For the third time. For the third time. It's quite an un... I mean, it still remains to be seen who the men actually play, if they even make it out of that first game. But it'll be something to have both teams play Duke three times. But I guess that's the nature of the tournament. But it was really good to see Hodgson back. Um, that that made a pretty big difference. I'd speak. So I didn't know, but they said they put. They said Eva had put on like fifteen pounds of muscle. I did not know that. But oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't know that either. That's crazy. I was like, that is insane. But there, Debbie Antonelli was like that opened up her range, and I'm like, okay, so that, maybe that explains why she's a more prolific uh, perimeter shooter now. This year that she was last year, but yeah, that 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 was kind of crazy to me. Yeah, because I I had been thinking all season. I didn't remember her shooting that well from deep last year, so it definitely opened up a whole other part of her game that I, I'm glad it did. Um, because she's just she's been playing really well. Um, Utsby's Utsby had another really good game. Uh, They're all finally healthy now. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little sick when they started running into the injuries because need them in March. You need everybody in March. If you don't have everybody in March, it's going to be a struggle. Um, The one thing that I will say is that I always said that I felt better about the women's team in the postseason than I did about the men's, and I don't feel that anymore. mm. Not saying that they won't, but it's just... They just get everybody back, if I'm not mistaken. This was the first game that um, Utsby and um, Eva. And who else was that? There was, there was a third starter that was out. They're all back finally. Um, 
Yeah, um, I know McPherson had went down for a couple of games, but I know she's not starting. Um, but it was someone else. But I I know they were down three starters at one point, and it's we'll see. Because again, we'll see what they do against Duke next next week. But and I'm probably kind of skewed about this because again they have they did miss their three starters for five games and they did they they lost three of the five, um, so that's not particularly fair to them. So we'll see. But yeah, they've got to get back the magic that they had. Um, after they started the ACC play, because remember, everyone was healthy going to the ACC play, and they lost three in a row before they turned it around against Virginia, I think. Yeah, and then went on that little run that they had. So not quite. I thought for sure. I thought this was a Final Four team. We still is, but. I don't know that I necessarily would bet on that right now. Um, I'd love to be wrong, but you know we'll, we'll see what happens. And if they can stay in the top four, I will be at a women. I will be at one of their games, probably their opening game for the NCAA tournament. Oh, nice! Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I. I... I think this team has as good a chance of getting to the Final Four. Um, It will definitely depend on them staying healthy for sure. I I lost some optimism with the injuries, but I feel like they could probably do it. But I also know it's going to be tough. I mean, Courtney Banghart just won her first ACC tournament game tonight, so I think asking them to get all the way to the Final Four is probably – a tall ask. I'm not saying that those two things necessarily have to like marry each other where she just doesn't make it to the final four because she doesn't have experience, you know, winning those bigger as games. Long as, as long as they don't run into South Carolina before then. Um, yeah. yeah. But the, so the reason I say that though is because uh, Ivory Ladder put it. More eloquently than I could have. Basically, this team, as we kind of look to towards uh, Duke men's basketball teams, you know, prior to the Shire area era, they live and die by the three. Yeah. So when they're making them, they're good. When they're not, it's they're they're in a fight. Um. So. If if they're making them, if they're if they're making them, yeah, they're I. Still think they're going to the final four. If they're not, I don't know. It's going to be a little tough uh, for them with everybody back. But we'll see. I guess we we haven't really had a lot of sample games with everyone back, which we'll get that tomorrow with with the Duke game or Friday if you're listening to this um, the day of with, with the Duke game. So we'll see. But yeah, I think they're. Ability to advance in the postseason beyond the ACC tournament will rely on their ability to make three points. So, yeah, for sure. Well, hopefully, next time we get together, we will have two wins over Duke to chat about for the men and the women and uh, see where it goes from there. Do you guys want to tell people where they can find you in the meantime? You can find me at THB Brandon. 
You can find me not at your nearest ABC store, but at UNC <laughs> at UNC underscore Tar Heel fan. But if they lose on Saturday, you can find him at your local ABC store. Yes. I might take a page from Brandon and just go practice lying down in the road. <laughs> it's cheaper. For a sweet, sweet death to come. Uh, yeah. And you can find me at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time, go heels. Go heels. Go heels.